God is good. And all the time. And God is loving. And all the time. And God is kind. And all the time. Aren't you thankful? Mm. God is good. He's loving. He's kind. We could go on and on with the list. I had some kindness happen to me in different ways, expressed to me in different ways this week. One of them was from our Pathfinders. You'll see um, a jar of salsa up on the screen. Our Pathfinders made salsa this week, and it is good all the time. (laughs) It is good. Just the right amount of spice, a lot of chunky vegetables and stuff in there that I like, you know, hearty hearty chip with salsa on it I enjoy. And uh, I didn't bring any to share because I'm not kind all the time in that way. <laughs> and, uh, and then we had the ministerial luncheon this month, and uh, our church was hosting it. So we had pastors from Ukaipa area and everything. And I walked up to the table before everybody had gotten there, and, and uh, Alice and uh, Louise and Doyleen had prepared this wonderful Italian meal of uh, lasagna and linguine and salad and garlic rolls and wonderful dessert. And I told you I can talk about food really easy, and you're noticing that. And I found that somebody listens to the sermons once in a while, which was kind of encouraging. And I walked up there, and I saw, oh, lasagna. And I go, oh, and linguine with olive oil. And oh, this is pine nuts. And, and I was just feeling really good. And I looked at everything, and I could see Alice and Louise looking at me strange, like I'd missed something. And I'm looking, and then I realized it said Chicarelli Cafe on there. And I go, oh, Chicarelli Cafe. And then Louise goes, yeah, it's right next to the ketchup pester. It's right, it's right there. So she got to experience that. It's really true that I miss the obvious uh, sometimes. And she used the code right next to the ketchup, and then I got it, and it was, it was good. It was good. Well, today we continue our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, organic Christianity, the Spirit-cultivated life. Last week we talked about love, and today we're going to look at kindness. And so uh, we're going to read the passage again from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, that Paul wrote for the church. And one of the things I've learned about in the spiritual life is that repetition is essential to spiritual transformation. And sometimes in our culture, we're such an instantaneous, instant gratification type of culture that, you know, if we read something once, we think we got it. If we find it on the internet, get the information, if we have a microwave, We have it. But with the spiritual life, just as anything worthwhile in life requires repetition, repetition, repetition of the simple things. And so reading the scripture over and over, marinating ourselves in it, meditation, contemplation, is important. So I'm going to read that again this morning from Galatians 5, beginning with verse 16 in the New International Version. It says, so I say, live by the what? Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Last week I mentioned that the point of this passage is not the list. We can read this passage and get focused on the list, and then we get into the whole measuring game of how do I compare, how am I doing. The focus of this passage is the process, which is life in the Spirit. When we live in the Spirit, then fruit happens. I was out uh, exercising the other day, nice, beautiful day, and, and we have a lot of brown hills around the houses where I live. And I'm told by people that those, ha- those hills are going to become green in the winter. And I asked the first service if that's actually true, and they said yes. Would you confirm that? Is that true? Great. All right. So I'm walking, looking at these brown hills, and I'm thinking, well, you know, brown and dryness and bareness have their own beauty to it. But, you know, to see green hills around the home every day would be a wonderful thing. And I thought about, you know, how are these hills going to become green? They're going to become green organically. It's going to happen when the rain falls. When the rain falls, they will just naturally turn green. They don't have to think about, okay, I'm going to work really hard at being green. I want to say right now something that I'm, <laughs> never mind. Um, made me think of a Muppet line, that it's not easy being green, but <laughs> anyway, sorry, I regress every once in a while. But these hills will become green naturally by the rain. It's the same thing in the spiritual life. We bear fruit naturally when we live in the Spirit. It happens. We don't have to focus too hard on the fruit. We just want to live in the Spirit. As we remember the words that Jesus said that I brought to our attention last week, that Jesus invites us to live in the vineyard of God, to live connected with him intimately, the branches and the vine, being tended by the gardener, the Father. Live in the vineyard and fruit happens. Be connected with God. Remember, Paul said, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There is some intentionality involved. There is some effort involved. It's uh, the difference, again, of versus trying, trying or training. Sometimes a Christian life can just feel like I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, and it just seems hard. But Christ doesn't invite us into a life of trying. He invites us into a life of training. He says, come with me. Come to me. Live with me. Work with me. Let me do it in your life. It's a life of training, not trying. I want to do a little spiritual exercise with you. I like to do this. We do a lot of spiritual exercises in church. In fact, just showing up is a spiritual exercise. Did you know that? You've done well. That's good. Worship is a spiritual exercise. Prayer is a spiritual exercise. We're going to do an exercise of confession this morning. Now, before you get nervous, I'm not going to ask you to confess something to your neighbor. I'm going to ask you to do it in public with everybody. Jesus said, and I've said this a few times now, that apart from me you can do nothing. Do you think he really said that? I do. In John 15, he said, apart from me you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Now, I want us to just confess with our lips today and just say to Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. Try that. Apart from you, I can do nothing. One more time. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Now, don't say it to me. Say it to him from your heart. Let's try it again. Apart from you, I can do nothing. 
It's true. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Several years ago, when I was um, a theology student at La Sierra, at that time, Loma Linda campus, at La Sierra campus, Loma Linda at La Sierra campus, some of you remember that nice tense moment um, in the institution's history. And I was in a car with my wife, and we went to a shopping center, and she went in to run an errand, and I sat there in the car, and I was listening to a preacher named Chuck Swindoll. Some of you may remember Chuck Swindoll. And as a young preacher, I was listening to every word he was saying, analyzing everything he was saying, listening to his transitions and how he used illustrations, and I was really tuned in. And I began to hear this noise, and I couldn't tell where this noise was coming from. And I looked around, didn't see anything, and I turned it up more so I could tune in more, and I was really zoning in to Chuck and what he was saying, and I heard this noise again, and I looked around, didn't see anything. Finally, I heard this noise again, and I realized it was coming from the car next to me. Now, I had my windows up, but I heard this noise, and I looked over, and there was this child in the car next to us, and his window was up. And I looked over, and, and he looked at me, and he was probably, I don't know, maybe eight years old or so, and he looked at me, and then he gave me this big smile, and he goes, and I looked at him, and I must have looked really serious because I was listening to a sermon, you know, just really zoning into Chuck Swindoll. I looked, and he smiled, and he waved, and I went, and then he smiled again and waved back, and I did it again, and it was like the Holy Spirit just hit me. He says, John, remember, all this stuff you're studying that you're taking very seriously, it doesn't matter if you don't do that, if you don't smile, if you don't reach out and take the initiative of being kind, of waving to somebody and saying hi. It doesn't matter. All the stuff you're learning about me, all this Hebrew and all this Greek and all this systematic theology and church history and all this pastoral counseling, it doesn't matter if you're not kind. That's theology with feet on it. That's what it's about. Be kind. Remember to smile. I never forgot that. The Holy Spirit reminded me how this is lived out. Didn't he say something like we had to be like children in order to enter the kingdom? That we had to really come to God with an open and sincere heart and just live out his love on this earth. It's interesting, I, I found a few quotes for us to enjoy this morning on kindness. Albert Einstein said, The ideals which have lighted my way and time after time have given me new courage to face life cheerfully have been kindness, beauty, and truth. The trite subjects of human efforts, possessions, outward success, luxury have always seemed to me contemptible. Abraham Joshua Heschel, when I was young, I used to admire intelligent people. As I grow older, I admire kind people. Ralph Waldo Emerson, you cannot do a kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. And Mark Twain, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. And one of the kindest people who ever walked the face of this earth, Mother Teresa. She said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. You know that bumper sticker, practice random acts of kindness? I want to disagree with that this morning. I want us to implement intentional, consistent acts of kindness. Intentional, consistent acts of kindness. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not just random. It's consistent. It's intentional as the Spirit lives His life in us. 
There's a passage in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, which some of us may have heard before. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the message translation, it reads like this, taking the verse before, verse 27. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say, this is, my unique, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of a father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the, father the way the, knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, you may be asking, what does this passage have to do with kindness? This talks about coming. If you're worn out, burned out, come to me and, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. But the interesting thing is, is that in this passage, in the book of Matthew, on that last verse where he says, my yoke is easy and light, that word easy in the Greek is actually the word for kindness. It's the same exact word that's used in Galatians chapter 5 when it lists the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is kind and easy. So Jesus invites us into this relationship of coming and living with him under his yoke of kindness. Come live in my kindness. Come live in my mercy and my compassion. And when you do, you'll find rest for your souls. Now I thought about this yoke. Jesus invites us into this yoke of relationship of kindness. And I thought about that being a relationship, and I thought about the yoke of relationships I have with my wife and with my kids and with my family and with friends and with coworkers. And I thought about the yoke of my relationship, and I thought, is my yoke consistently a yoke of kindness with people? Sometimes, I'll confess, it's not always. Just this week, you know, as the preacher's preparing the sermon on kindness, I had to deal with a, a customer relations person that easily starts making you think about, am I going to practice what I'm preaching this Sabbath? <laughs> Someone that, you know, you, you, you're in a, a, a place where they're selling a product and, and, and you just thought, man, can't this person just be nice? And you want to say something and, and I have to think about kindness. Okay, just pray, Spirit, help me be kind. And by God's grace, I was. But I didn't want to be. I wanted to say something to the person, to shake them up and get them to think about how they're acting. But by God's grace, I didn't. I thought about the relationships that I have. You know, when, when you wear a yoke, not that I have experience of wearing a yoke, but, you know, they're used often with oxen and things. But sometimes people wear a yoke to carry things. In the old times, carry water or different things. And if, if the yoke isn't balanced just right, it causes chafing. And it's uncomfortable and it hurts. And, you know, it's kind of the same way in our relationship with others that as we have these yokes of relationships with the people in our life, if we're not kind, it, it, it kind of hurts. It causes chafing in the relationship. 
And Jesus invites us into the yoke of kindness. God is kind all the time. Romans 2, 4 says it's God's kindness that actually leads us to repentance. It's not condemnation. It's not critiquing. It's not judgmentalness. It's kindness that leads us to repentance. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, where there's that wonderful passage of we're saved by grace through faith, not by works lest any man should boast, Paul brings out that God who's rich in mercy, which is also a word for kindness, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And he goes on further in the passage that he says that, that God raised us up with him. By grace you've been saved. And God, and, Christ, uh, seated, uh, sorry. and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Has God been kind to us? Absolutely. Bible says, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't do anything to deserve God's love. We didn't do anything to deserve Christ coming down and dying for us. But God was kind to us. Titus 3 says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of his Holy Spirit. You see, kindness is going out looking, wondering and asking, who needs love? Who needs love today? How can I ease someone's burden? How can I touch another person? That's kindness. Who needs love today? How can I ease someone's burden? How can I touch another person? Do you remember that song some of us learned in Sabbath school from Micah 6.8? Remember that song? He has showed you, O man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That word mercy is the same word for kindness. To act justly and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. The story of... This boy who went to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now and I'm getting out of here. What he basically was saying when he told the father that was, you're as good as dead to me. Give me my money now. So the father gave him his inheritance and the Bible says he took off for a far distant country and he went off and he squandered all of his money and then that country experienced a famine and he had nothing to feed himself and so It says that he began to crave the actual food that the pigs were eating. And as he was sitting there thinking about those things, he thought about his home and his father back home. And he said, you know, my my dad's servants are better off than I am. I'd be better off going back home and just being a slave working for my dad because I would eat better. I have plenty of food and it'd be better than this. And so he began the journey home. And the Bible says that as he was a far, far distance off, The father saw him. And I think the father saw him that far off because the father was looking for him. He was looking for him every day, hoping and praying that his son would come home. And when he saw him off in a far distance, the Bible says the father ran. He ran to the son that had done that to him. Now, I have to confess, 
I don't know if that's something that I would do. I hope I would. But, you know, there's a peace enough in me that might be someone who would be sitting there going, oh, he's finally coming back. It would be the biggest I told you so you ever had. You know? Um, my son finally wised up. Finally wised up, and now he's coming home begging. All right, we'll have an interesting discussion. Maybe you wouldn't be that way. Maybe the thought never entered your, your mind. I'm just glad God's not that way. Because this is a picture of our Father in heaven that he ran to get his son and he, he hugged him and he kissed him and he told his servants, he says, go, get sandals for his feet, get the ring for his finger, get the best coat we can find and get that fatted calf, we, calf we've been saving up for a long time and kill it. We're going to grill it and we're going to have a party. And they did. They celebrated. And the older brother was outside the house and he heard this noise. And he said, what's the noise going on in the house? He asked the servant and the servant said, haven't you heard? Your brother's come home and we're throwing a party. And the older brother, the Bible says, was angry. In fact, the original language, if you look at the original language, it says he was hostile. He had that type of anger that he was hostile. I've often thought, let's just kind of, you know, you ever see a movie where you get to choose the ending? What would the story have been like if the older brother saw the son coming back home before the father had? There may not have been a party. There may have been a death. Thank goodness the father got to the son first. With God, there is kindness. There are many ways that we can live in the spirit and extend kindness in this world. But I'm just going to touch a little bit on one this morning. And that's just the use of our words. The use of our words. Saying kind things. Now, I really appreciate the sticky notes. There's a sticky note theme running around here. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be a lot of kind words on there. And as a pastoral staff, we thank you very much for those words. But saying kind things, saying things to people that are kind, not because they deserve it, but because the Spirit of God is in us speaking kindness to people. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, you don't know when it's too late. It wasn't long ago, although it was probably 20 years ago now, that uh, Lisa's father had uh, found out that he had cancer in his larynx. And so he went to UCLA to have surgery, and I remember as we were going to the hospital that day, um, asking Lisa if she was okay. And she said, yeah, but I just want to make sure I see him before his surgery because we didn't know if he was going to be able to speak again after the surgery. And so we went and were able to see his father, and he was able to tell her those words that I love you. And I'm glad that he did because he did lose his voice box. And he was not able to say with his own voice, again, those words to his family. Life is fragile. Life is precious. And we all live like we have many years ahead of us, but none of us know really what will happen even later today or tomorrow. Every moment is crucial. Every moment is an opportunity to be kind and to extend kindness to those we work and live with. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. 
our conversations seasoned with grace. Men, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you for a second here. Since I am one, I can talk. I've been trying to practice a little spiritual discipline in my relationship with my wife on trying to make sure I more consistently get the kind, wonderful thoughts I think of my wife from my head to my mouth. Now, women, you need to understand that oftentimes we as men think wonderful things about you. And you may look nice before you go out to work for the day or whatever you do, and we're thinking, wow, she looks beautiful today. But it doesn't always make it to the mouth. And before you know it, days and weeks go by, and then it's like, do I look okay? Well, yeah, you always look good. I tell you that all the time. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we think it, and sometimes just because we think it, we think we've said it. So, man, I just want to encourage you in your relationships with your wives, um, for those of you who are married, to let it go from here to here every once in a while. If you're thinking, I love her, just say it. If you're thinking she looks nice, just say it. If you appreciate the things that she does, just say it. Don't let it stop here. That's a lot of kindness that can go toward your spouse, your children, your parents, your teachers. You did it today for your pastors, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, the person across the counter, the cash register. Let it go from here to there and speak words of kindness. I found it very interesting. There was a, a survey, a study done back in 2003, the evolution of desire strategies of human mating. This is what they found. They studied 37 cultures around the world. 16,000 people were asked about their most desired trait in a mate. For both sexes, the first preference was kindness. The second one was intelligence. We want to be with people who are kind more than they are intelligent, don't we? Kindness matters. It doesn't matter how much you know until they know how much you care. Kindness matters. Jesus said these words in Matthew 9.13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. Or we could put the word kindness. It's the same thing in Greek. I desire kindness, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Go and learn what this means. I desire kindness. Our master desires kindness from his disciples and from his children. God is kind to us, not because we deserve it but because he chooses to be kind. And he asks us, through the presence of his Spirit in our life, to be kind to others. Kindness is the God-given ability to love people more than they deserve. I'm going to share a story with you in closing. A confession that when I was a young boy, I enjoyed playing with dolls. Not Barbies. G.I. Joe. Now, back in the day, G.I. Joe was this big. Somewhere over the decades, he became that big. But I had another doll that I cherished. It was a rag doll, if you will. And, uh, you know, at one point, I had to give up the little baby blue blanket, and I moved on to a rag doll. It was a Ronald McDonald rag doll. It was one of those things that when you went to McDonald's, you know, if you bought the Happy Meal or whatever it was, you got the, the toy. Back in those days, toys were big. Now they come in little plastic bags. And it was a Ronald McDonald rag doll, and this doll went with me everywhere, to bed, 
to the bathroom, to the sandbox, to the field, wherever I went, the ragdoll went with me. Now, this became a problem because the ragdoll started getting kind of dirty, started getting smudges on it, and after a while, it became one of those things that, you know, that a mother does in a very gracious way, probably thinking, how am I going to get these things out of his hand so I can clean it? So in a very nice way, my mom would come up and say, well, let's try to clean it up a little bit, John. And I would say, all right, we've got to be careful. You know? And so you, know, you, you just would take like a wet cloth and try to clean it up because if you, if you did it too hard, you know, it might, might ruin it. You try to clean it up. And after a while, finally, I was willing to let go of it enough to put it in the washing machine. Now, because it had received so much love from me, it was a little fragile. And it came out clean, but it also came out all the stuffing, everything just kind of, <laughs> it was a little too hard of a love cleaning for Ronald McDonald. You know, the reason I'm telling you that story is because we're all a lot like God's ragdoll. We all are kind of messy in different areas of our life. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all are in process. We have smudges on us, and, and God just says, take my yoke upon you. Just take my yoke of kindness upon you and, and live with me. And let me, let me just kind of gently clean you, and let me just kind of gently bring healing to you and touch your life and enjoy my yoke of kindness and ease. He invites us into that relationship, and, but we need to remember that I'm not the only ragdoll in God's life. The people sitting next to you are all God's ragdoll too. And God is working on their lives with kindness and love. And he asks us that as we live together as ragdolls, that we be gentle and kind with each other, that we be loving, caring, and speak kind words to each other. Aren't you glad God is kind all the time? God asks us to enjoy his presence through his spirit and let him be kind through us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your kindness, your mercy, because we don't deserve it. You give it to us because that's the kind of God you are. We thank you that you didn't wait for us to get right enough for you to come and show how much you loved us and to die for us. Lord, by your grace and your presence through your spirit, we ask that we would allow you to grow us in kindness and to speak kindly to those we live and work and share this life with and to share consistent, intentional acts of kindness with those in this world we live with. I want to invite you now just to take a minute in silent prayer to just meditate on God's kindness. You just talk to him in silent prayer about his kindness towards you and maybe how he's inviting you to be kind to those others in your life as well.
open up the skies of mercy rain down the cleansing flood healing waters rise around us and hear our cries Lord let him
For we've been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. In this life we live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works in his spirit and grace and yoke of kindness. May the grace of God's kindness be with us all. Amen.